Hi there, this is Nicolette Richet, your host of the Eat Real to Heal podcast. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed with a chronic degenerative disease and you've tried everything, every diet, therapy, medication, surgery, treatment, and you still can't get results, then this is the podcast for you. My guests, the research that we present, and my personal stories of helping hundreds of clients cancel surgeries, get off prescription medications, and even reverse their debilitating illnesses will inspire you to reclaim your health and to take back your life. Everything you learned in this podcast is about using organic, plant-strong, whole foods as medicine to reverse hundreds of so-called incurable chronic degenerative diseases. This podcast is a mix of real healing hero stories and in-depth conversations with leading scientists and doctors in the nutritional medicine realm. Sit back, get comfortable and enjoy. Hi everyone, I'm Nicolette Richet, CEO and founder of The Green Mustache, where we have six locations that serve an abundance of organic, plant-based, whole foods, real food that's not processed, comes straight from the garden. We turn it into beautiful salad soups, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, desserts, and we strive to make you healthy as medicine. So I'm so excited to be here today because we have Howard Strauss with us. And for any of you that haven't heard of Howard Strauss, he is the grandson of Dr. Max Gerson. But this isn't an interview about Dr. Max Gerson. This is an interview about the force of nature, his grandson, who is an incredible man doing things for the, you know, for almost 75 years. This, um, we're going to let Howard get into all the wonderful things that he's been doing. Um, and as many of you know, the the whole entire reason I started the green mustache was because of the Gerson therapy and learning about the Gerson therapy and the power of plant-based food, real food, clean food to be able to heal the body of cancer and chronic illness. Now, um, I've been doing this work for about 10 years. Um, 10 years before that, I was in the environmental sector, um, you know, really focusing on the planet. And then I moved into human health. And here we have Howard Strauss, who's going to talk about um his adventures in the world of using food as medicine as well from his perspective. So thank you, Howard, for being here with us today. It's our first day ever with Richer Health Consulting, um, actually doing one of these Facebook Live, um, Be Live TV interviews where we get to connect. I feel like I'm in your office. You might feel like you're in mine. Um, and we get to share our conversation with the world. So thank you for being here. It's a great honor. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Nicolette. Great. So why don't the beginning? Because I'm really fascinated. Father, um, um, but I was really I love the fact that you actually lived with a Max Gerson and your grandmother as well, um, and went to the Waldorf School in New York City. That's right. <clears throat> uh, yeah. When I was when I uh, when I was in. Uh, uh, well, when I was about uh, six or seven years old, um, I was I was just on a kind of a borderline, and I was just almost too old for the previous grade, and I was not quite old enough for the next grade, so they put me in the second grade, and I was I was ready mentally, I was ready for the third grade. And so, but and no matter no matter how much my mother begged and pleaded, they you know policy is policy in New York, 
and uh, and I went into the second grade where I was bored out of my skull. I was spelling at the fifth grade level when I was in kindergarten. Okay, wow. and and I was bored out of my skull. So uh, my mother said, "Okay." I went to a Waldorf school when I was in Kassel, Germany, um, and I know there's one here in New York City. I'll take you over there. So she took me over to the Waldorf School in New York City. And they gave me some tests and math and reading and everything else. And I scored way above grade level. And so they, they said, yes, well, you know, we could put him in the third grade. And we'll put him in the third grade. But I, I do want to warn you, he's not quite emotionally up to the <laughs> up to stuff. And um, if you think he can handle it, we'll do it. So I went in the third grade. So I skipped a grade right there. And uh, and so I was in the third grade in Waldorf School, where I learned how to knit, and I learned how to uh, learned how to recognize Greek letters. So we, we would read Winnie the Pooh in uh, in Latin. Wow. <laughs> Winnie, Winnie the Pooh, right? <laughs> um, and we would read uh, we would read stories in English, but with Greek letters. So so we got to like you know recognize Greek letters. And there was the knitting and, and, and weaving and eurythmy and all kinds of, you know, fun stuff. I mean, this is fun for a kid. This is not school. This is fun. Right? And, um, and I went through Waldorf school <clears throat> to the, until the sixth grade when, uh, because in, in uh, my parents lived down on Long Island and my uh, my grandparents lived four blocks away from the Waldorf School, so I lived with my grandparents for several years while I was going to Waldorf School, um, and then spent weekends with my parents out in Long Island. But then they wanted me they wanted me living with them, so they put me in a they put me in a school a day school closer to uh, closer to their home, and it was just a school. It was a good school, but it was a school, and uh, so seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, seventh, seventh and eighth grades, I went there, and then, um, then they, then, then they, that Waldorf school started a ninth grade. It started a high school, and so they started that just before I, just before I got to ninth grade, and so I went ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grades to the Waldorf school, yeah, and from there I went to MIT. Wow. So for anybody who doesn't know and hasn't put the link together, um, Charlotte Gerson is Howard's mother. Okay, so that's who he was talking about when um, he said that she had gone to Waldorf School in Germany. So, you know, and um, Howard, you know, I have three girls and my husband was also a Waldorf teacher and my three girls go to the Waldorf School here in Whistler. So we know the struggles that exist in Waldorf schools when there's, you know, not enough space for high schools. And so we've been creating here for the last few years and I'm so grateful that the school now um, their first graduating class actually in graduated two years ago and I think there was two or three students that graduated in grade 12 and now this year I think there's going to be about you know hopefully about 10 kids that graduate out of the Whistler Waldorf School so it is a growing process I just want to ask you about that because 
we are going to dive into what you did after Waldorf, you know, that, you know, you were, you know, I'll give it away that you went to MIT. Um, and, you know, your father, your grandfather, Max Gerson, was a bit of a genius, right? Like he could have gone into almost any field he wanted to go in and he chose medicine, which back in those days, like a hundred years ago, um, more than that, actually, when he was graduating from med school, but, you know, it was kind of looked down upon to choose medicine back then compared to like going and becoming a historian or a physicist or any of the other things that he could have been at that time. But I've heard him, um, the fact that he's been considered, you know, um, a genius of all areas. And I think that genius definitely has translated through um, to your mother and as well to you as well. But the one well, thing I want to tell Dr. Gerson, Dr. Gerson was uh, acknowledged by not only his, uh, not only his math teacher at gymnasium, uh, the high school and uh, that he went to in uh, in his uh, small hometown, um, but uh, when when he when he answered an exam question in a way that the the teacher didn't understand, <laughs> the teacher sent the yeah. sent the solution to Berlin to to a, a mathematics professor at a university of Berlin, <clears throat> and the and the uh, the professor said, "Wow, uh, this student has figured out a new way of solving this problem, and he's a he's a genius. He ought to be a mathematician." And uh, and of course, you know, when the family when the family uh, considered it, they uh, they um, they considered the prospects for a young Jewish boy in Germany, unfortunately Jewish. Uh, and, uh, and they looked around and they saw no university professors who were Jewish in mathematics, none. And they said, wow. well, you know, that's, that's sort of a dead end where, you know, the most you can ever be is a gymnasium teacher, a high school teacher. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, we want more prospects for you than that. And uh, he had also shown a propensity for, for healing and for taking care of, uh, of things. When his friends were injured, you know, in, in, in play, uh, he would be the one to bind them up and to tend their wounds. So, so they said, what do you think about medicine? And he said, okay, why not? Because he was, he was fine with medicine and uh, he could literally choose anything at all. And so he went into medicine and became this beyond genius, uh, where Albert Schweitzer called him the most eminent medical genius ever, which it's, is it's pretty really pretty stunning when he when he should have gone into mathematics to begin with. Right. <laughs> and then, and right. then when he came when he came to New York City, while he was studying English because he didn't speak English, while he was studying English, he invented the jet engine. Um, wow. He was never acknowledged <laughs> for it, but but he. he yeah. Threw out the principles for a jet engine. <laughs> oh my! While well, he was studying English, just an, on, the, on the side table, and plus while he was healing people of chronic illnesses and cancer at the same time. Um, okay, so let's get back to you and Waldorf, and um, I and you know now we'll ask you this afterwards. But um, as we draw the, you know, what it's like to live in the world when you've gone to Waldorf school, because it's kind of like the world that you're in with plant-based medicine, where it's a, you know, it's an old concept, right? Um, you know, learning Waldorf is like teaching and educating the entire being of the child and plant-based healing and whole foods, real 
foods healing is also about, you know, supporting the whole entire body. All systems are connected. So after Waldorf, okay, so where I'm sure people questioned your parents' decision to send you to Waldorf, they probably, I'm imagining, thought that it was a crazy concept. No. And why did you send no, your I mean, who, who was going to, who was going to really, who was going to really question them? I mean, my, my grandparents, excuse me, they sent her to Waldorf school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, so. of course. But the general public, like we even have it here where people think like it's a religious school or that it's just all play and there's no career. It may, that. It, may, it may be all play, but that's a wonderful way for children to learn. Isn't it? Exactly, because they really internalize it and it's conceptual and in context and yeah, and it educates the whole entire child. So here you are, you graduate from the Waldorf School in New York City and then you, where do you head off to after that? Well, then I <clears throat> then I dived into ice cold water. Oh. <laughs> that was like I mean the Waldorf School was a warm embrace, and mm -hmm. MIT MIT was like ice cold water, um, and that that was a huge awakening. I never never experienced anything like it. I mean Waldorf School made learning fun. MIT was the most difficult thing I ever had to do in comparison with my capabilities and it was just overwhelming as a matter of fact even after I graduated MIT I was relatively mediocre average at MIT which is not a shame by the way yeah. um, uh, <laughs> after I graduated MIT I had nightmares about that education for at least 10 years afterwards oh, <laughs> it was it was like post-traumatic stress disorder. It was unbelievably difficult for me, um, and um, but it was, but having gone through that and having survived it, um, nothing else in my life has ever been as difficult. Right, right. And sometimes so, it's good to push us to those levels, and if we can survive it in a healthy way and get through it, then you know it teaches us a lot for sure. You just actually made me realize. I'm like, why isn't there a Waldorf University somewhere? Like, you know, maybe that's is. what we need. Oh, there is. is. Really? Yeah, in in, in uh, Sacramento, near Sacramento, there's a Waldorf University. Absolutely, for Waldorf teachers. Right. You bet. Oh my goodness. Okay, so for people who want to become Waldorf teachers, they can go to the Wal wow. Okay, that's amazing. Um, so you went to MIT, and what did you study there? Nuclear physics. Right. Okay. Now, what what made you wanted to go into nuclear physics? Well. Uh, Mathem mathematics was just too too esoteric and abstract. Right. I, I, you know, being a Waldorf school student, I was much more interested in stuff you could pick up, hold, look at, drop, and break. You know, um, whereas mathematics, it, it, it all took place there. There was nothing you could ever touch. Um, engineering was a little too close to the you know the real world, where all you were dealing with was, you know, like structural members and stresses on bolts and, and you know, things like that. And it didn't appeal to me at all. The, 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 the best, the first and closest uh, natural science to mathematics that where you could actually touch something was physics. Right. And okay. so and so I thought that that appealed to me. That appealed to me. Now, uh, and so that's what. Yeah, go ahead. What was, well, I just want to jump in and say, so after living with your grandparents and living with, you know, Dr. Max Gerson, where I know you told me stories about how you'd be at the dinner table and patients would show up and, you know, you regularly discuss coffee enemas at the table. Same thing that 
We're chatting about coffee enemas and my kids just rolled their eyes. Now, had you ever considered medicine at all? Um, uh, no, I hadn't. Um, my grand, my grandfather was very, uh, very interested in me becoming, uh, you know, following him into medicine. Mm -hmm. But, but I, you know, at the time, my understanding was only that, uh, you know, you'd spend your days around sick people, and that didn't uh, somehow that didn't appeal to me as a as a fifteen year old. You know, it just uh, I I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. Um, right. I I didn't I didn't have any idea of the massive genius I was living with. Right. Okay. And also you didn't realize that you would eventually end up helping people anyway. Like you would keep. No, I was focused on technology. Right. And okay. Science. Um, right. So, so, so I, you know, I continued on with, you know, at MIT with the physics and then physics led, led me to need to use computers as a tool and computers turned out to be a lot more fun than physics because that was instant gratification and, and, uh, you know, you could actually do something with it, you know, whereas physics was evolving more and more towards astrophysics or, or particle physics. And yeah. once again, here with it, it was evolved, devolving into something that I could never touch. Astrophysics, you're dealing with things which are a million light years away. Yeah. And particle physics, you're dealing with things that have a lifespan of, you know, 10 to the minus 10th seconds. Right. Uh, impossible. So that, that was, you know, that, that was kind of out of my Waldorf mindset to begin with. And yeah. so I, so I went into uh, computers, which was kind of fun. It was like playing all day long with my mind, like solving puzzles. Uh, which I like, and um, and and my mother and I used to go up into high oak, the middle branches of high oak trees of a summer Sunday afternoon, and do the New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle. That was, you know, and to this day, to this yeah. day, I am addicted to the New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle, which I now do in ink, and I'm and oh, I'm wow. and I'm uh, disgusted when I can't finish the whole thing. Right, right. So <laughs> but, I want to talk about. When you, okay, so you were, you know, because I want to get um, a little bit into just knowing what it was like for you growing up, going through Waldorf. Now, your your mother, Charlotte, she, from what I understand, she was quite sick, actually, when she was a young girl. And so um, her dad, Max Gerson, put her on the Gerson therapy, essentially, which he was still, you know, unraveling and discovering. Is this, this is correct, right? This is what, in, when she was 12, um, yeah. because of his constant contact with uh, tuberculosis patients, <laughs> and because of the fact that they were, uh, at the time, uh, that by this time they were uh, Jewish refugees, uh, not living uh, in their own space, not eating their own food, not, not, not having a whole lot of control over their, over their own environment. So, so uh, she actually contracted bone tuberculosis in her right leg. Just below the knee, there was a, a hole in her bone, and at the time, uh, that would have been a, a, a fatal disease because mm -hmm. uh, that was before antibiotics. Yeah. So, so, uh, but but Gerson was quite well versed in curing tuberculosis. He just made sure to keep her on a very very strict Gerson therapy, yeah. and um, and uh, her tuberculosis healed up just fine. Now she's so, 90, 96 years old, so that's 80, 84 years she survived that, and she's still going strong. Now, your sister, um, um, Margaret, she just told me a funny story about how, you know, they live in Italy, and they live in this beautiful community. They actually have someone who juices it 
them and help prepare their meals. And um, she was mentioning, to, uh, Margaret was mentioning how her husband came in the other day um, when somebody had baked them these homemade cookies, but you know, not they're not a Gerson cookie. And so he came in and he's like, oh, you, do you want to taste this cookie? Because, um, you know, it's so delicious. Come on, mom, you're 96 years old. Like, of it and you can just have half a cookie and she's like do you want me to be half dead like she is such <laughs> a strong woman she takes and, no and so she, she takes no prisoners no she doesn't and you know and, and it's funny in this world where people you know they're they're looking to heal themselves sometimes they hit, hit rock bottom and then they find the gerson therapy and then they choose to do the gerson therapy because they realize it's the only thing that's going to actually heal them right the medications haven't worked the surgeries haven't worked um and they're still really really sick and even when they're doing the therapy or they heal from the therapy afterwards they're like so how long am I supposed to eat this clean, real food from? And I just think it's so amazing that your mom like won't even take half a cookie. And she's lived on this therapy her entire life, like pretty much since she was sick, right? When she was no, young. No, since before that, because when when she was when she was a, a, a little three year old, you know, she would go bouncing around in the backyard. My grandfather had his office in the front room and the family lived in the back of the house and and uh Oh, sometimes so one of one of his patients, one of his farmer patients, would look at the diet that he was prescribing, and say, "Well, how can a person live on this?" As you've heard, I'm sure. How can yeah. a person live on this? There's no meat. There's no, no protein. How can they live on this? And he says, "I want to show you something. I want to show you someone who has lived on this her entire life, without any break." Has, has lived on this her entire life, Lottie, and he would call back to the backyard, and she loved this. She loved to be summoned in from the backyard and come in all all dirty from, you know, playing in the dirt and everything and bounce on Daddy's lap. And here's this robust little uh, three-year-old, and he'd say, this is someone who lives exactly as I'm telling you. How does she look? Does she look healthy? Does she look like robust and and, and, and full of energy? Oh my. And this is in the 19, like what, this is like 1920s? That when uh, she, she, she was born in 1922. Right, so this is like 1925, and now it's 2017. And he was, you know, advocating this beautiful, nutrient-rich, toxic-free, plant-based predominantly diet back then. And, you know, people are still having that same conversation that this gentleman had, right? Like, can you live off of this food? And she's yeah. lived on it for pretty much 96 years of her life. Absolutely. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's how she has always lived. So, uh, and like, like me, and, but, the, but here's, here's a, here's an interesting thing. We both know, both my mother and I know that uh, that we are that we have uh, very weak constitutions. We are not genetically strong. I'm not a Viking. Right. Um, I, I, I come no, from five or six four. I'm six five. Yeah. Six five. Yeah. And you're not a Viking, though. <laughs> I'm not a Viking. No. Okay. Um, my wife is a Viking. You know, so <laughs> she can she can live she can live eating this stuff and. You know, and, and survive. I, I can't. If I if I eat the way my wife eats, um, for so much as a week, mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm I'm ill. I can't do it. So so my mother and I both know that we have very uh, weak genetics. She had migraines when she was a child. She had uh, tuberculosis when she was a child, and and she should have died, right? 
Um, I've had, uh, I, I have uh, uh, kind of a hereditary anemia mm -hmm. that, uh, that my grandfather was always, uh, you know, trying to feed me stuff for. I, I grew up on liver juice when I was 10 years old. <laughs> right. Yep. Nice. <laughs> I grew up eating liver as well. My mom used to cook liver and onions. Yep. Uh, well, but, uh, uh, but, but, but here I am. And um, um, so I'm, uh, I, I know that I have that I have that I'm I have to take care of myself much better than those people around me do because they're stronger than I am and if I don't take care of myself I end up sick much faster than they do. Right, but you were seventy five years old now, correct? Yes. Yeah, you look incredible. And, and in the best health of my life. Exactly. So, Everything, everything works. My joints all work. My uh, my brain works. Uh, I, I hope you think my brain works. Uh, your brain is brilliant. <laughs> I always love chatting with you. I can chat with you for hours and learn so much from you. Your memory is uh, phenomenal as well. No, brain, my brain works. My joints work. My uh, you know, I, I'm I'm fully fully functional. Uh, I'm nowhere close to sitting in a retirement home. No, and you're 75 years old, which is not what a lot of 75 year olds can say because we have now a society where people are hitting 30. Like, I mean, I work with some of my clients who are 27 years old and they're needing hysterectomies because they have endometriosis and fibroids that are so terrible that they can't even function. They can't work. You know, they can't ski. They can't play. They can't really do anything. And so, you know, this, you know, even if you have a weak genetic constitution at 75 years old, though, you are vibrant and healthy, um, which just goes to show that, you know, the power of eating the way that you have. And I'm going to get you to describe what your diet is like and I want you in your words like I want um, our audience to hear what the Gerson therapy is because people like to you know think about the Gerson therapy and then they're like oh I googled it and you know it there's no way anybody can live off of this or it's just quackery or it's you know there's no way it works my doctor's never heard of this but at the end of the day it really is just food like clean real food so um, you've lived on this clean real um, you know plant-based protein foods um, you know that organic diet I'm assuming you always purchase organic only only organic, right? I mean, it doesn't does not make sense to, to purchase uh, other other types of commercially grown product because it's what I would call food, P H U D E, yeah. which is like it sounds like food and it may look like food, but it ain't food. Right? It's not food. It's P H U D E food, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, in in reference to what you were saying before about me uh, having weak genetics and still being strong, well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I consider genetics the hand you're dealt. Yeah. You can't you can't change your genetics. You were born that way. You have a certain amount of spirals and various things in your DNA, and that's that's that, right? But your your health status is the result of how you play that hand. Right. <clears throat> so if you if you well. if you are stupid in playing a, uh, the best. Uh, the best uh, hand of cards in your life, then you're not going to win the game. Yeah. But if you're smart in playing a mediocre or even poor hand, you can win. And yeah. that's, that's my, and that's my basis for, uh, for, for life. Awesome. So, so, so with the, can you summarize, I want to hear in your words, and I want our audience to hear in your words, um, because you've lived it your whole entire life. Your mom's lived it her entire life. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Not my entire life. Oh, not your entire okay. life. 
Tell me about that. I want to hear about that. Hey, I went off to college. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, you don't listen to your mom when you're in college, do you? No, no, you got to you got to find out what beer tastes like. You've got to, you know, you got to have steak with the guys. Right. No, no, no. Come on. You got to have you got to have uh, fried chicken uh, when everybody goes out for fried chicken or pizza or something. Yeah. Uh, and, and I wish to heck that I uh, uh, that I had not. Because if I had lived like this instead, yeah. even if it had been possible, <laughs> right? if I had lived like this, my brain work would have been a lot easier than, than it ended up being. Yeah. And I so. did the same thing too. When I was in high school and I started making my own pocket money, like from babysitting and working um, part-time jobs, I would like live to go to the vending machine. Like I thought the vending machine was such a novel concept because I'd only grown up on plant-based foods and organic foods from farms. And my mom always had a garden. She always cooked from scratch. Um, I think the only time I had processed food was when at one point, clearly my parents probably didn't have a lot of money when the interest rates like raised to like 18% in the early eighties. And we had powdered milk, like, you know, that was, you know, but it was for such a very short time. And I remember just how bad my mom felt, but she was always like chopping vegetables and, you know, making everything from scratch. But when I got into high school, I was like, oh, I'm going to go get those ketchup chips and you know diet coke and score bars but you know for me who had always been such a healthy kid i ended up like breaking out in acne and then having terrible pms and i was like okay this sucks i can't and then i just went back to eating clean real food by the time i hit about 17 and then from there on in like i've always been like you know knock on wood incredibly healthy so yeah i wanted to know so when you're growing up obviously with your um grandfather you were eating clean, real food, Gerson style. And then yeah. you went off to um, MIT and tell me about that experience eating that food. Well, then I started eating, you know, the standard American diet uh, with uh, with my fraternity brothers. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't know the difference about how my brain would have been working had it been, had I been eating properly. Yeah. So I just did the best, best I could. And, you know, I ended up pretty mediocre, but, yeah. um, you know, and and I and then I got married to a wonderful uh, a wonderful cook. She was a gourmet cook, and uh, you know she she made the most wonderful dishes. And uh, and I was I gained weight. <laughs> and then I went into the navy, and the navy sure doesn't feed you that way. So and the, and then you know so so it was many years in between that I was not paying attention. Right. Okay. And I put on 40, 50 pounds and uh, I started losing my hair in clumps and, you know, going, uh, my, my drain was always, uh, was always clogged up and I had adult acne yeah. uh, and, you know, various different, various different things. Um, when I, when I met the woman I'm now married to, my wonderful wife, uh, we just celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary. Um, when I when I met her, um, we we just had a, a wonderful time. She was also a, a gourmet chef. She just a, a feeder. And she just loved it, you know. And um, uh, so so I was you know not doing all that great as far as physically was concerned. Um, and then we decided to get married because I thought this was the lady I'd like to spend the rest of my life with. Right? And we decided to get married. And three months before our wedding, she came down with her third occurrence of uh, skin cancer. Oh, wow. Okay. Third. 
Okay, so recurrent. Yeah. How did she treat it the last two times? Well, she had surgery once, and she had surgery a couple of times because um, they caught it early, but she still, you know, they caught it. They, she still had cancer, right? Yeah. And now she had a lesion on her ankle, uh, and it was skin cancer again. And she, uh, she, she's, she's a blonde, and, and uh, she has, uh, you know, her mother was a nurse, so everything got treated with antibiotics or trips to the doctor. And yeah, she had cancer the first time when she was 24 years old and the second wow. time when she was 25. And here she was 42, I think. And she got it for the third time. And um, that was uh, that was not good. That was not good. So what do I do? And here's here's a lady I'm about to marry. I'm crazy mm -hmm. about. Um, and do I take her to a regular doctor? No, I know what they do. No, of course not. I don't take her to a regular doctor. Do I walk away? No, this is the lady I decided I wanted to weld my life to forever. So, no, I just have to walk right straight through it. And so we do what I believe in and what, and what we do as a family. Uh, I took her down to my mother's clinic in Mexico and put her on the therapy. And, yeah. and, um, uh, in so the middle describe of, the therapy here, in your words, what the therapy is. So just so the readers who don't and listeners who don't know anything about Gerson therapy and they're hearing this for the mm -hmm. first time, they get to know what it is. Uh, everything, all, all food is organic, salt free, fat free. And, and, um, uh, and, and fresh unprocessed no no can bottled boxed anything it's all all fresh and organic salt-free fat-free food um vegan vegan yeah. uh, which means no animal products whatever mm -hmm. uh, no no milk no eggs no cream no uh no ice cream no nothing right? yeah um and 13 13 fresh pressed juices uh, every every day, so every hour a new juice appears, and you have to drink it before you put the cup down. You do not put a cup down with juice in it. Right. You want it as fresh as possible, so that you know one of the staff at the at the clinic would would rap at your door and say uh, juice, and you open the door and she hands you a juice, and you must drink it right away. And nice. my mother, my mother, when she was uh, sitting consulting with patients, and she would see a patient put a juice down <laughs> on the table, she would oh, she would never let that patient forget it. The patient would never do that again. <laughs> and I remember meeting. Well, Charlotte came down to the clinic with us when I was doing my training in the Gerson therapy, and I got to see her in action at the clinic. You know. She <laughs> She would drive herself in this big like Cadillac or something like this, like across the border, the Tijuana border and into Mexico and go to the clinic. And then her and her robust feistiness, like that woman is like the epitome of grace and like power. Like she's incredible. And she would go in there and I saw her interact in the kitchen with the chefs, like telling them what to do and making sure they were doing it right. And, you know, talking with the patients as well. And they would ask questions like, well, can't I have just a little bit of, you know, and she'd be like, absolutely not. Like it was amazing <laughs> to watch her in action. Like there's no, like you eat organic, plant-based, clean foods, non-processed, 
hundred percent of the time. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And that woman, and, unless yeah. you want, unless you want to die. And exactly. if you want to die, I'm wasting my time here. Yeah. And in the training, I remember some, one of the students said, well, what about Celtic sea salt and Himalayan crystal salt? And she's like, is that sodium? And they were like, well, yeah, it's sodium, but it's the good sodium. And she's like, there is no good sodium. The good sodium comes from your food and it comes from like the vegetables that you eat. You don't need to add any extra stuff. And she was like, only if you want to die, would you eat that salt? <laughs> I loved it. It was great. And yeah. we have salt in our kitchen in 10 years. <laughs> Sodium, sodium is the class, the class of substance it is. It's a poison. It is a poison. It's an enzyme inhibitor. And that's another word for poison. Exactly. So. Yeah. So it's really important for a guest to understand, you know, when we're talking about salts, we're talking about sodium. We're not talking about potassium, magnesium, like there's lots of different salts in our body needs, you know, a little bit of sodium, but it can come naturally from the food that we do eat. Nature has made it, it put it in perfect balance in our food, but we need high amounts of potassium to sodium. So don't get your salts confused, okay? So at the end of the day, the Celtic sea salt, the Himalayan crystal salt, it's still sodium chloride at the end of the day with minerals, but you can get your minerals from your food. Which and is sodium, also and sodium, is, sodium is bad enough. But yeah. remember, you, you said something else besides that, what, what salt is made of. Yeah, sodium chloride. Ah, chlorine yeah. is also a very dangerous chemical to have in your body. Chlorine, chlorine attacks your thyroid. Exactly. And we live in a society where, you know, every single one of my clients comes to me on thyroid medication on Synthroid and they don't get better. It's not like they get off their Synthroid, like they just get their dosages increased and their thyroids are shutting down. And the minute, and I know Max Gerson recognized that early on that, you know, with his patients, he saw that they had underactive thyroids and, um, and that they were quite sick from that, but getting them off the salts for sure and switching over that plant-based diet would restore the natural process of the thyroid. That's right. It does. Yeah. So, okay. So then you went off to, um, okay. So, so we went, so, so there's the 13 juices a day. Yeah. There's a three big vegan meals served buffet style. So you can eat as much as you want, because after all the food is the therapy. Yeah. So, and, and when people, when people are, uh, when people have a, a, a chronic disease, they have a chronic disease because they are not only toxic, which we talked about with salt and other poisons, but also they are deficient. So they're starving. Their bodies are starving. And so they don't, they don't recognize it because at the, you know, when they arrive, they are also so toxic that they don't, they don't have much appetite because they're just toxic. But when you start cleaning that toxicity out, and that's five coffee enemas per day, five um, or more if you need them, uh, when you start cleaning that toxicity out, then suddenly this mask gets removed and they can see this huge yawning gap in of their nutrition, which they, which they have, you know, they have not fed themselves. They've not fed their needs. And so they have this huge yawning hole in their nutrition and they experience that as incredible hunger. Mm -hmm. I've and seen so that with my clients, like especially clients who are, you know, let's say 60-ish and above and they're just like, oh, I just need my banana and my tea and biscuits for lunch. Like that's all they eat. They're not eating anything. And they say, oh, I'm not hungry. I don't need very much. 
but it's actually like their brain has told and their gut has told their body like don't eat we don't have the energetic capacity to digest food so just don't put food in me like they're so it's almost like they're so weak that they can't handle food so their brain just says don't eat um but then three months into the therapy i love watching it happen where they're like you know they've got this massive plate of food and like this is not eating like the birds people like these are big plates of delicious amazing food and they're just like shoveling can i have another bowl of soup can i have it's awesome to watch their appetites come back and their digestion kick in and they actually move the waste out of their body and move the food in it's like really fun to watch that happen i was uh i ran a clinic in sedona arizona and i i remember one patient in particular she was a little small little lady from cincinnati ohio she was maybe maybe in her 50s and she had uh, breast cancer and they had they had done all kinds of operations and they had re reconnected muscles here and there that weren't functioning so they she was a mess total mess and she was eating nothing she was you know she weighed 100 pounds maybe soaking wet yeah. and and um she came in and uh, the first couple of days she was not doing too great she was not liking the food and uh, i don't know and she started getting detoxed <laughs> And suddenly she became the black hole of Calcutta. <laughs> she she would go back and she would take she would take as many plates of food as she could until they finally closed the buffet and took it away. Yeah. And then as they were closing it down and taking it away, she'd snag a couple of baked potatoes to take back to her room. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. And so yeah. your wife was down at the clinic here. So the clinic in Mexico and she's eating this food. Is she enjoying the food? Because she didn't, wasn't, oh, hadn't my wife, eating my wife. your wife. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was, she was, you know, she had, she knew what, because she knew that, that if she, if she rejected that, she was rejecting a, a huge basic part of me. Yeah. And I probably, I probably would reconsider marrying her. <laughs> right, right. Now that's a strong statement. So she stayed at the clinic for how long? She stayed at, at the time? clinic for three weeks. Okay. And then, and then we came back home, and she did it. Uh, she did the therapy perfectly. Yeah. Uh, for the next six months, and okay. uh, in the middle of which we got married. That okay. was twenty-eight when, years ago. That was twenty-eight years ago. So clearly, her cancer went away. Like oh, her yeah. body. Oh yeah. Her Absolutely. Cancer back up attacked the cancer got rid of it and she's been she, she's been thriving yeah she's been thriving ever since and right. and uh every now and then i mean she's kind of drifted back to you know some of the things she enjoyed like wine and and mm -hmm. and and uh fish and so forth but a couple of years ago as or maybe a year ago she noticed that there was another there was a lesion on her arm mm -hmm. And she went to uh, she went to her dermatologist, and he said, "Oh yeah, that's uh, basal cell carcinoma. Uh, we can um, we can do a little operation, and as soon as we get clean edges or clean margins, right, um, you'll be okay." And when she heard the word clean margins, she knows what that means. That means it just keeps expanding, right? Hacking, hacking, hacking away at you. Yeah, trying to right. get rid of the cancer. Yeah. And her eyes went like that, and she said, "Uh uh." I know yeah. exactly what I have to do. And she did it. And, yeah. and a month a month later, she went to her dermatologist. And it was gone. <laughs> and, you know, so, that's what I love is how fast the body heals, right? Like the body's yeah. just like, give me good stuff and I'll heal myself. Right? Absolutely. Look, 
you know, all of us, every single one of us alive today is the end result of a million years of evolution and survival of the most under the most difficult conditions possible. Earthquakes, fires, floods, wars, plagues, uh, tsunamis, etc. Donald Trump, you know, so. Um, <laughs> So, so we've survived, and, and long before there were doctors, long before there were pharmaceutical companies, and we, you know, our bodies know how to do that. Given, given the vast array of things uh, around us, the body knows what to go after to heal itself. It knows, and, and, and it's way more powerful than we ever imagined, way more powerful, and it does things powerfully and quickly. Uh, all by itself. You don't have to stimulate the immune system. It's there. It's it's raring to go. All you have to do is give it fuel. <laughs> you know, exactly. It's like it's like a Ferrari. If it's sitting there with no gas in the tank, you're not going anywhere. Right. But if you put the right fuels in and the right lubricant or lubricants in, it's going to leave everything else in the dust. And that's exactly the way our body works. Now. The thing is, okay, so I went back to school six years ago and I did all my pre-med science courses because I was just so fascinated by the Gerson therapy. And, you know, and I definitely like I was writing papers on cancer and agriculture and soil depletion and nutrients back when I was 19, but I didn't really understand it. Like I was looking at it more from prevention, not from a curative, like let's heal the body after it's been disease, you know, after the disease has manifested as cancer or another chronic disease. So, um, and 15, almost 20 years ago, a friend of mine also he was um, 72 at the time. He was diagnosed with stage four cancer, prostate cancer. And, you know, they'd given him about three months and he said no to the chemo, the radiation, the surgery. And he went and did the Gerson therapy. And, you know, that was 22 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, you know, and he's he was thriving like that whole entire time eating this amazing food. So now. Um, you know, fast forward and here we are. And I know your grandfather was, you know, pretty much having these same conversations a hundred years ago and your mother all throughout the last, you know, um, 96 years as well. And here we are. So you must encounter people all the time. They don't have a science background. They don't have any knowledge about how their bodies work. Like the immune, we're still discovering things about the immune system now that we had no idea about. Like we just discovered three years ago that we have spiders living in the pores of our skin, like these little tiny arachnoids, male and female. And, you know, they can't get out of balance. And if they do, then you get things like rosacea and skin issues. Oh, like science, you know, I often say to um, in workshops and to my clients, like, are you going to wait for science to catch up with us? Like our bodies know already what to do, but just because we haven't proven it, you know, does that mean you wouldn't want to just put clean food into your body? So what do you say to people who, you know, just don't believe that food is medicine and that food can heal cancer and reverse cancer and stop cancer? Like, what do you, how do you interact with these people? And it's something I struggle with you know, all the time. If, if, if I, time. if I can't, you know, if they, don't want to believe me then why are they talking to me in the first place right and if they really don't want to believe me and if they really want to uh, uh pull in and use as authorities the people who admittedly can't cure cancer yeah. right and who have proven over and over again with them that uh, that they can't cure their disease then if they really want to believe them rather than me all I can say is, bye bye. I know, and and that's the hard part for me is that I. It's, 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 it's not hard for me at all. It's you know okay. everybody has a right to die the way they want to die. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that's really true. And 
I am. Yeah, it was hard for me. I should say now I definitely um, because I have so many people coming all the time to me. I'm just like, you know what? Like I can share this with you. You can do it or not do it. And a lot of people, they wait till they hit rock bottom before they do something like this. Um, you know, but really, it's only been 100 years of treating our bodies so poorly with this, you know, industrialized packaged processed food like it. We didn't live this way, you know. Um, you know, in the late 1800s, like when, you know, our grandmothers used to go out to the garden and pick vegetables and wipe them off on their apron and then, you know, make shots of potato with the cheese grater and a cheese and, you know, you know, just food was medicine and it always has been for thousands and thousands of years, like millions of years. And here we are now where, you know, to us, we, you know, we think that pharmaceutical drugs is medicine when ultimately they're based off of plant science, you know, like all the pharmaceutical drugs, anyone that's ever been created is actually created. It's a synthesized version of what already exists in nature, which is so sad. Yeah. So, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So I like I, that. I, so I you wish, just say, I you wish, know what, move on and you go to the next. I wish it were that, I wish it were that benign. Uh, it's not. Oh, the, pharma the pharmaceuticals are specifically or specifically formulated to keep us sick, to make and keep us sick. Uh, because mm -hmm. that's where the money is. The money is in treating disease. It's not in curing or preventing disease. I mean, think about it. Think about the value proposition we're giving doctors. Here, if, if you're a doctor and I say to you, if you keep me healthy, I'm going to make you poor because I'm not, uh, um, yeah, I'm not sick. I'm not going to visit you, right? Same thing with the pharmaceutical companies. What do I need your poisonous drugs for if I'm healthy? If I'm okay, Go on, go on, go on. If I'm slightly sick or, you know, the kind of average sick and I visit the doctor three, four times a year with a cold or I sprain an ankle or I cut myself or something like that, um, he's going to make a decent living like an automobile mechanic, right? Right. So, yeah. so if, if you keep me slightly sick or if I'm slightly sick, you get a, you'll, you'll earn a de decent living. Right. But if you have cancer, see, if you have cancer or heart disease, you need a heart-lung transplant, right? Or, or you have, um, uh, or you have high blood pressure, and you're going to need this pill the rest of your life, right? Um, or, or you're, uh, uh, you have AD, ADD, ADHD, right? And you're turning your child into a zombie, right? Now mm -hmm. they're going to get rich. Because you're going to be back in their office every every week, every two days, getting a new dose, getting a new exam with a new pain, with a new something or other. So if you keep me very sick, I'll make you rich. Okay. Yeah. What is what is the that's the value proposition we give doctors? What is the, that's a no brainer. Yeah. And the pharmaceutical companies are really the ones that benefit hugely. But this is a great segue. So into China, I want to take our audience into China. So you went to Waldorf, you went to MIT, then you went into the Navy, um, you were into computers and coding and programming and all of that in the Navy. And then, um, and then after that, um, so you've had this robust life and then tell me, so, and it, oh, and over the, so after the Navy, what happened after the Navy? You, well, I, had a, I had a 40 year career in computers after college. I, first I worked at IBM, then I went in the Navy and worked at uh, my, at my local, uh, uh, Navy base, uh, uh, a weather facility, a computer weather facility, um, predicting weather and ocean conditions and so forth for naval operations. And uh, then I went out into Silicon Valley 
and became a contractor, a computer contractor. And I worked mm -hmm. in that industry for a nice long time until that kind of came apart um, after 9-11. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I had to find something else to do with my life. And then, uh, was that when that? Gerson Media started, or I'm, I'm sorry. Was that when Gerson Media started? Uh, it was. It was after that. It was considerably after that. Oh, so okay. so then uh, so then I uh, my mother said, you know, um, nobody's ever written a biography of my my father. Um, and uh, it's been 50 years, and the people who knew him are sort of dropping off the edge of the earth. I know she was thinking about herself. <laughs> um, and uh, you might want to, uh, so I, I'd like to subsidize you to write uh, your, grandfather, your, your grandfather's biography. Which is a brilliant book, by the way. Everybody needs to get their hands on that copy. Um, we sell it at the Green Mustache. You can buy it online. You can, buy, but I suggest getting it through Howard Stars directly. Um, and we'll provide links at the end of the show. But it is a brilliant book. So tell us more about that biography and um, of your grandfather and what that was like to write it. So my grand, my grandmother had written um, uh, just just a sort of a she she had written this sort of a seventy or eighty page um, biography of his life which um double space typewritten and she's not a she's not a researcher mm -hmm. she just lived with a man you know and lived with this brilliant brilliant man and uh so she wrote this um uh, she wrote this biography and titled it uh, a life without fear and um nothing ever happened with it but my mother had it and she said here i have your grandmother's uh, your grandmother's uh, outline, and uh, maybe you can write write his biography. I'll support you while you do that. Wow. All right. Well, I'd never written a book, and the reason I went to MIT rather than some Ivy League university is because I did not like to write English. <laughs> I like yeah, math, I like you know. Math, math, you could tell when you were right. Computers, you could tell when you were right and wrong. I mean, bang, like that. Hard hard evidence, right? With English, you never know when you're finished. No. You know, you never know whether it's good or bad. Well, you sort of know whether it's good or bad. And I, I know I know some wonderful I, some writers that are my mouth waters when I uh, when I read their stuff. But I'll never be like Faulkner. I'll <laughs> Never. Oh, I struggle with the writing as well. If you can just get into my mind and take it all and just do whatever you want with it, great. But to put it into words in the English language, uh, it's like my biggest struggle. So good, so, yeah, that's amazing. But to I said, that. but I said um, yes, I'll. I said yes, I'll do it. That's incredible. And, and uh, of course, writing a biography of this amazing, brilliant, hugely productive man. Uh, who went through World War One, World War Two, uh, the Holocaust, uh, immigration to the United States, battling with the Rockefeller Foundation, the AMA, his colleagues, and eventual assassination. That was that was a little more than just a six-week proposition. That was huge. That is huge. Like it's a movie. Like that, you know. And I know that there is a screenplay that's been written now for um, the the story of Max Gerson, and a and a film's going to be made, which is incredible. But yeah, that man is like his story needs to be told to the world for sure. And you, so you took that leap um, to write this um, this memoir or biography. And it was it was painful. It was painful too because um, because seeing this wonderful, gentle brilliant man who all he wanted to do was heal 
people and alleviate their pain and and alleviate illness and and get them well and functional again uh and and uh all that all that his colleagues could uh, think of to do was to assassinate him or stop him somehow or 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 make him make him into an enemy you know or something inimical to him um, and and he said, "Why? But why? You know, here he had the answer. He's willing to give it to everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were saying, don't you dare, you quack, right?' What? <laughs> and which this happens in history. If we look in history, we see this happens to all the greatest minds ever, you know, like whether it was Galileo to Dr. Terry Walls, who cured herself of MS to, um, you know, the leading neuroscientist in the 70s who were considered quacks. But now everybody's like, you know, praising the words neuroscience and neuroplasticity. And, you know, it's the biggest, greatest thing. But they consider those early founders, right? These futurists of their time, um, you know, are all labeled quacks when the masses can't get on board with what they're saying and don't even take the time to consider so yeah no he def- i can't even imagine what you margaret dr max gerson like went through um trying to teach and and help people with the basic concepts like that food is medicine like it's just yeah that must have been quite a journey um writing his biography for sure it was it was very painful but the the more the more i watched his courage and his perseverance in this in face of that uh, the prouder I was to have done it because this was, this was an admirable man. This was, you know, for Albert Schweitzer to call him the most eminent medical genius ever, you know, that's going some, a Nobel laureate, you know, and he wasn't just saying that, like, from, you know, knowing the man, like he actually, Dr. Max Gerson taught him the Gerson therapy, him, his wife and his child, I believe, and all of them healed. Isn't that correct? Like they That's all right. did the therapy to heal themselves of these incurable chronic conditions. So right. uh, Schweitzer's wife, uh, uh, Helena, was uh, she had she had lung tuberculosis. His his uh, his daughter had something. Nobody even knew what it was. It was that rare. She just had thousands of little lesions all over her body. The hundreds would open every day. Hundreds would uh, heal. My mother was my mother was there when you know helping her to wrap and unwrap the dressing twice a day. Wow. Um, and uh, the, he, my grandfather didn't know what it was either. Mm-hmm. But the Gerson therapy cured it. The body knew what it was, and the body could fix it. And then Schweitzer himself had, <clears throat> sorry, age onset diabetes, type two diabetes, mellitus. Mm-hmm. And uh, here was a man with four PhDs and and brilliant books in each of those disciplines: medicine, religion, music, and philosophy. And um, and he uh, uh, he was unable to work. He was unable to move. Uh, he was dying at age mm-hmm. seventy. Five, I think. Seven, no, seventy-two, seventy-two, and he went to his uh, his friend uh, Max Gerson and said, "Can you help me?" And Gerson said, "Certainly, easy." And uh, and he put him on the Gerson therapy, and six weeks later, <coughs> Schweitzer was back working in his jungle hospital in Lambarena, and then wow. three year, three years later, he won the Nobel Prize. Yeah. And he could easily have said, no, this, you know, what a lot of people do, they're like, uh, you know, food is medicine, forget it, I don't believe it, I'll just take the drugs and and then end up facing those dire consequences of 
things like except, that. Except he had watched he had watched Gerson cure his wife and his daughter of incurable diseases that yeah. he had gone everywhere else for. Yeah, nobody else could help with. Yeah, and at the end they turned to food. That's right. So so he trusted Gerson. He was, they were lifelong friends, lifelong friends, correspondents for their whole lives, and um, and they. Um, so 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 uh, Schweitzer lived into his nineties uh, after having after die, being being on deathbed uh, at age seventy two. He, he lived into his nineties, so another twenty years, working hard and productively. Yeah. So which we all could be doing. We don't need to be dying these long, painful, inflammatory lives. Like we could be living vibrantly into and then dying just nice and short at the very end, which would be. You know, which is what I think most people want. But. Well, the, proper, the proper way, the proper way to die, the way that uh, your body is built, <clears throat> is you go to sleep one night and you don't wake up. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, so he, uh, so I wrote, uh, I wrote this biography, and got it published, and um, and then I worked a little more in in um, in the um, in Silicon Valley. But that no longer had a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of attraction for me. But then I also uh, I went to um, I went to San Diego and I acted as a, as as public relations person for the Gerson Institute for my mom and arranged arranged lectures and travels and venues and all kinds of things for her and traveled with her and and got to know the. Uh, the spiel, you know, right? Yeah. The got to know the uh, the lecture that she did, and she would she would give me sections of the lecture to you know to take and you know sort of break me in. And uh, eventually, uh, eventually, I uh, uh, and that's when I founded uh, I founded uh, Gerson Gerson Media and uh, Cancer Research Wellness Institute. And um, and started to and uh, started to publish my own book. Started to and then then my mother my mother's book was um, the Gerson Therapy, and she had written That's it with awesome. she had written it with a man named uh, Morton Walker, and mm -hmm. and it was published by Kensington in uh, New York City, and when mother started to find you know a, a few errors in it and wanted to correct them and she wanted to update some of the recipes and up and some of the some things yeah, i mean the gerson therapy isn't static it, you know as as she found things out she wanted to give those to the patients and this was our flagship book but kensington said no we just want to sell paper so they didn't want to correct anything they didn't want to update they didn't want to nothing they just wanted to sell paper mm -hmm. so so she said what am i going to do i can't give that book to patients it's not right as it should be and and yet we don't have anything else and i said well, maybe you should write another book she said but who'll publish it and and i said well i'll do that i can publish it and, and i looked around and i said who said that who said exactly. that <laughs> sometimes you just got you're compelled to just do these things you've never done it before but you just have to bite the bullet and go do it my grandfather <laughs> It was my grandfather. Yeah. He gave me a little push right like that in the back. Love and, it. You know, that's, yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> so then, so then I became a publisher, and I had wow. to find all, find out all about that. And 
Ashley published her books and my books, and she eventually wrote another book with Beata Bishop, and that's the book we now sell. Yep. And um, called the Gerson and, Therapy. We called the Gerson Therapy. Right? Healing. No, no, no. It's heal, oh, healing, healing the, the Gerson healing way. Healing the Gerson way. Yeah. Healing uh, the and, Gerson. And that that book has been translated into thus far fifteen languages. Uh, the Swedish is about to be published. The Russian was just published, and um, and the uh, simplified Chinese is uh, is is coming up in a few months. So that's that that'll be almost twenty by the time that's done. Twenty, 20 different languages for one book. Yeah. Uh, so and then so yeah. Even even my book has been translated into uh, into a few languages. So. Wow. Yeah, here's so, here's 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 one that's really strange. You is see that this? A, which language is that? What does it look that, like? Oh gosh, I want to say Hebrew, but maybe not. Nope. Nope. Arabic. Arabic, of course. Yes, I don't know my languages that well. I only speak this is Arabic. this is from Kuwait. Wow. And so, and your book's been translated into many different languages. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Japanese. <laughs> yeah, incredible, and, and and it's food people like that's what they're writing about is food and teaching people all over the world how to eat clean, real, organic, plant-based food, um, vegan food, so that you can heal your body of cancer and chronic disease. You can prevent disease. You can reverse disease. You can stop it in its tracks. Um, you can undo the damage that's created by disease. So I so this is um, when you were talking earlier about um, you know medical doctors here in North America that are essentially like they get paid when people are sick. The more people are sick the more they get paid but you just came back from china where the book was translated in chinese and you were over there speaking to government officials can you tell us about that and tell us about your trip and also tell us about the medical system over there like you were telling me earlier when we were chatting how you know doctors actually get paid when their patients are healthy so yeah well, not, not anymore and then that's that's not anymore but they used to be okay but one one there's two things uh, where they have a great advantage uh in china Number one is they have a 5,000 years uh, tradition of traditional Chinese medicine, TCM, and that is healing, healing diseases using herbs and, uh, and plants and stuff that grows around you. Uh, you know, acupuncture, acupressure, you know, all, all kinds of natural means. So they, they and, and conventional allopathic Western medicine has only been around for, you know, 100 or so years. Mm -hmm. So. So, um, so, so they are very inclined. They're they're predisposed to accepting that nature can heal, that mm -hmm. natural means can heal. So I'm not talking into a uh, into a, a vacuum. I'm right. talking I'm talking to people who are who have a five thousand year uh, tradition of uh, natural healing. And uh, they're looking dubiously at a 100-year, uh, a 100-year record of um, Western medicine. Right. And so tell saying, us about your trip there and what I'm you sorry. were doing there. Can you tell us about your trip and what you were doing in China? Right. I was invited. I was invited to uh, China by a woman who, uh, a Texas-educated attorney, who. Um, who lives in Beijing. She's a Chinese citizen. Her husband and family live in Houston. And she lives uh, half the year in Beijing, half the year in Houston. And she, she was tired of being an attorney for financial industry and making tons of money and feeling empty. And so she, 
she started looking around at uh, healing at health and uh, when she finally when she when her research eventually led her to the Gerson therapy her head exploded and she said this is it this is it I've got to be part of that As and so she she founded a she founded a health uh, organization a health company in um, in Beijing and uh, and and they 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 run seminars much like you do. They run weekend retreats where people get to sample eating good food, detoxifying, and you know how good it makes them feel. And so and so, um, several of the people I met with over there had attended uh, those seminars. Some of them more than once, and were just delighted with them. The thing is, the people that were that I met with that had attended these seminars were deputy director of the Chinese uh, Centers for Disease Control, like the, the CDC, me. right? Yeah, that's uh, me. In, in charge in charge of uh, of chronic and uh, non communicable diseases. Wow. So when I told him about the Gerson therapy, he had already experienced two of these workshops, and he was 100% on my side all the way. Right. <laughs> and he wants, he wants to introduce me to his boss. And, uh, and then a top uh, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine oncologist, was uh, and his wife, who is a professor of pathology, right? I was telling them about it. And he said, you know, years ago, I did pick up the Gerson therapy. I found it quite interesting. And then for some reason, I don't know why, I, I put it aside and I haven't thought about it since. But he said, I'm, I'm re-inspired. <laughs> That's amazing. By, by the way, this was, this was a funny one. This guy could have been my great-grandfather. You know, he looked like it, right? And his wife uh, and, and uh, the, the two of them together were, you know, Pretty pretty badly wrecked, and uh, in conversation we were talking, and uh, and I discovered that she is one year older than me, and he is two years older than me. <laughs> oh my goodness! They need to do yeah. the therapy. They can shave off twenty years. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, this is the Gerson therapy too, right? Because what we are experiencing, what we experience as aging, as normal aging right, is really premature aging because of what we do to our bodies, because because we don't have to be this, we don't have to look or feel this old, we don't have to die so young uh, if we take care of ourselves, because the body will heal itself, will heal itself. So, so uh, you know, it was, it was pretty amazing when I, when I was telling people how old I was over there. Uh, I would I would often see this in the audience, like a yeah, hundred people in the audience. I'd see five or six or eight people go like this. <laughs> the jaws it, drop. It is it the one great. thing I love so much about the Gerson therapy. Is it really? It's it, it. You know, you shave off years of your life literally when you switch to it and you do the therapy. Like people look twenty years younger sometimes when they're doing it when they're like uh -huh. in their fifties, sixties, seventies, and then when they're you know forties, thirties, it's amazing. They turn like they look like babies again. Their skin is supple and soft, and they lose yep. wrinkles. And you know, I you know I've seen it do such incredible things like moles and skin tags fall off of you. Um, you know, they just like disappear. Like it's pretty incredible what it does. So you know, if any reason, you know, a lot of people like to do stuff 
because they like to do it to number one, lose weight. And they like to do it because they want to look younger. And really, this is, you know, it does both of those things. If you have weight to lose, you'll lose it. If you have weight to gain, you'll gain it. Um, but you will look younger. You'll feel lighter. You'll feel so like amazing. It's, it's incredible what it does. It's better. There's no not a single beauty product out there that can make you look as young and alive as the person therapy. That's well, for and, sure. and, you know, beauty, what, what are beauty products really? They're paint right? You're painting a picture of what you would like to look like on on your face, which is probably not in that good of a shape, no, right? Exactly. Plus yeah. which those products themselves are highly poisonous. Yeah, and that gets into your system. Unregulated, okay? Yeah. So, so they have phthalates in them. They have uh, alum in them. They have, so they have, they have neurotoxins. Yeah. They have uh, they have carcinogens, and what's worst is they have mutagens in them. You know yeah. what a mutagen is, right? Yeah, mutates causes, your DNA. Causes birth defects. So the irony is that the stuff that women paint on their face in order to, in order to attract a mate and make an offspring mm -hmm. is the same stuff that will damage that offspring. I know it's incredible. And with the infertility rates now that we're seeing as well, like I've, you know, done incredible. I love following um, Catherine Alexander's work in, she's out of Australia. She's been teaching the Gerson therapy for about 30 years as well. And um, she works with so many women who can't get pregnant at all. And it's amazing because once they get rid of the beauty products, get rid of those household toxic cleaning products, get rid of the toxic food, and they start eating this incredible real, real food, what happens is their reproductive systems like snap back and they become alive and awake. And even though they were told they will never have babies like they're not able to produce an offspring all of a sudden they're pregnant like within three months like it's incredible and then they you know and that's happened to clients of mine before where they like I can't have babies they do the Gerson therapy and you know one of my clients is a four-year-old now another one is pregnant she's six months pregnant you know and so you know my feeling about that um, is that you know when your body's not healthy why should you produce a child like why produce an unhealthy being into this world nature has its way of shutting down that process so your reproductive system is the first one to shut down right it doesn't have enough nutrients to support life so therefore the baby just can't you know implant itself and grow really um so it's amazing what it does for people who have fertility issues as well um but that cosmetic those cosmetic products all that beauty products that we're trying to keep ourselves young and alive it's not working um when we well, use it because because we're, we're 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 masking it. We're not exactly. we're not keeping ourselves young and young and alive. We are uh, painting on a simulacrum of young and alive. Yeah, exactly. Right? But again, there's no money to be made in carrots that you you know chew and digest. You know, there's not a whole lot of money to be made from that. But there's a heck of a lot of money in the cosmetic beauty product world. So it comes back to that same conversation about you know where where is the money to be made. Um, and unfortunately, it's just not that sexy marketing a bag of potatoes or you know something <laughs> like that. <laughs> there was, there was, you know, the thing, the thing that uh, you know, I, I, I am, I, I don't know. I wish, I, I wish sometimes it wasn't like this. Uh, I go, to, I go to the supermarket and I look at these, um, you know, magazines for young women, uh, seventeen and glamour and you know those things, right? And yeah. you see these blindingly beautiful 18-year-olds or 17-year-olds looking out uh, of, the, of the magazine cover. And, mm -hmm. and I look very carefully, and all I can think of is toxic bag of poison. 
Yeah. <laughs> because no, I did the same you look thing. At, like I, you look yeah. at their eyes. You look at their eyes, and their beautiful blue or gray eyes uh, mm -hmm. have a have a, a the iris has a ring of dark around it, mm -hmm. and so it looks intriguing. It looks intriguing. Ooh, that, interesting. Blue eyes with a dark ring around. Oh, that you know, really interesting. But what that dark ring is is it shows how toxic their skin is the periphery of their body yeah. okay so and with with models of course who have lots and lots of makeup right yeah. and and they and and you see that dark ring on the eyes and you're thinking oh god that woman's that that young woman is going to have such problems by the time she's 25 <laughs> you know and you can't do anything about it yeah because you tell you tell a girl in Los Angeles, you know, oh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to wear any uh, any makeup, <laughs> you know, so talk to the hand, right? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And you know, but what I'm finding that's really incredible is I have younger and younger clients coming to me, which is actually um, it's sad in a way because they're sick and they have these diseases that really they should not be getting until or ever, if ever. But usually they're adult on like adult onset um, diseases that come in when you're 60 or 70, you know, like really the diseases of the elderly. Um, I mean, you're 75, but you're not elderly, in my opinion at all, Howard. So but, um, you know, you're the epitome of youth. Um, but, you know, these young kids are coming. But what I love, like we teach workshops in high schools and to elementary school students. And these kids get it. And they're like they're picking up the phone after the workshop and telling their parents like, okay, we're only eating organic now and we're not eating meat anymore. And, you know, and they get it because they don't want to be living on these drugs and they don't want to be sick and they don't want to have arthritis at 21 years old and, you know, diabetes at 22 years old and MS at 23. Like, um, so I think there's like, I'm hoping anyway, that there is a movement. And unfortunately, it feels like it's only coming about because these young kids, like some kids as young as three years old that are being diagnosed with, you know, um, adult onset diseases. Um, well, when, but, when you can, when you consider that uh, you know, years ago, the number one killer of children was accidents, right? Yeah, yeah. And not not even all that many years ago. Now, the number one killer of children under eighteen is cancer. Yeah. And and cancer used to be a disease of of uh, degeneration and age. Now exactly. it's a, now it's a disease because people are so so uh, deficient and so toxic yeah. that uh, that they're getting it, getting it at four or five, ten years old. Yeah, diabetes, type two diabetes at ten years old, and MS at you know ten years old. It's 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 astounding. So here you are. Okay, let's go back to China because here you are talking to these you know health officials and like I'm just trying to picture myself in Canada, like having Trudeau come to our retreat center and stay there for six days and do coffee enemas and drink cold pressed juices and eat like plant based beautiful cooked meals and you know I just I mean I would love it and you know he can take that back to Parliament and you know see the changes we can make in health Canada here um, but you know what I find though is that I know you mentioned in one of our conversations you know that we had before just about how you know there's this perception that Canada is you know progressive because we had Tommy Douglas who created this socialized medical system um, and you're from the states you know where socialized Medicare has not been around and unfortunately people have to pay through the nose um, for their for their health care but uh, what I find though is stop, that stop stop, stop? yeah I will not. I refuse to talk to discuss it as healthcare. It is not healthcare. It is sickness care. It is medical care. If you if you actually go to them to, for something to support your health, they'll laugh at you. 
Yeah, no, it's true. And the, but the same is here in Canada as well. There is really no difference other than the fact that you don't have to pay out of your nose to like get treated by a doctor up here, but you don't really get treated. You know, like it's the first choice is just to prescribe medication. If you say I'm going to switch to a plant based diet like the Gerson therapy, you're kind of laughed at and you're told that it won't work. Like, if, you know, so, you know, whether we have socialized, you know, medicine here in Canada and, you know, and, and not in the States, really, there's no difference, though, in how we're approached. And so here you are in China talking to these, you know, influential people who could potentially, you know, change the face of medicine in China. And, you know, where, what were you saying? Is there what, a hundred million people have diabetes in China? A hundred million people with diabetes, a hundred million people with arthritis, and a couple of hundred million people with uh, hypertension. Yeah, it's incredible. So there, and here you are, you're meeting with them, you're, you know, giving presentations and they're open to it. They're open yeah, to using food as medicine. And here's and here's why. Well, I already talked to you about uh, traditional Chinese medicine, yeah. so they they have a predilection for believing in nature's power to heal. Mm -hmm. But on top of it, the Chinese government also pays for the medical care, and uh, and the pharmaceutical companies do not have the kind of uh, strong corrupt uh, foothold here. Uh, sorry, uh, in China as they do here or in Canada. Right. So. So uh, so the government is looking at their budget and they're seeing 100 million people with diabetes and how much is that going to cost us? And 100, 100 million more people with arthritis, how much is that going to cost us? And if we go with, uh, with, with Western pharmaceutical medicine, we're looking at the USA and it's, uh, it's going down the tubes because, uh, because the medical expense is going up and up and up and the effectiveness is going down and down and down. So... Yeah. So these people are actually interested in preventing disease because then they can keep these people productive and they can keep them paying taxes rather than being a drain on the economy. And this way they can, they can pump more money into, uh, you know, super speed trains and, and uh, windmills and, uh, and, and development of solar panels. And, and they're doing all of that, by the way, uh, and even put it in their own pockets. I don't care. But, yeah. but they're not going to be spending it with, uh, you know, on, on ineffective and dangerous deadly drugs. So, I love that, that you say about paying taxes because um, Dr. Adam Hoffer, who's from Saskatchewan, you know, he was a leading, you know, medical doctor in Canada. Um, I believe he and Max Gerson even knew each other or at least they crossed paths. And, you know, yeah, Dr. I don't, think they, I don't no? think they knew each other. He, he was an associate. He was an associate of Linus Pauling. Right. Yes. And so he and Linus Pauling founded the Orthomolecular Medicine Society. Yes. Uh, and, 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 and Hoffer actually wrote the foreword to my book. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's where I first heard, I think, about um, Dr. Abraham Hoffer as well. And the, and I loved his definition of health was, you know, he worked with a lot of people with schizophrenia, um, you know, and other mental health illnesses and was able to use, um, you know, high dose nutrient therapies and food and clean diet to get them healthy. And he, his definition of health was, he said, was when they can return to work and start paying taxes, which I just think is a beautiful what, definition. I'm sorry, when they can? return to work and start paying taxes. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same I mean, thing, right? We don't believe there is such a thing as mental illness. Yeah. Okay, there's no such thing as mental illness. What we have is physical illness, yeah. a chemical imbalance that manifests in the brain and causes dysfunction.
you clean up that imbalance. You clean up the poison, the toxins, the toxicity, and uh, and the mental mental disease goes away. It just goes away. So um, quick. So quick. So uh, uh, schizophrenia and uh, and and manic depressive behavior and uh, clinical depression they just go away. Mm-hmm. So. So it's not it's not a mental disease. It's a physical disease that when you start feeding the body correctly and giving it the uh, amount of oxygen and oxidation enzymes it needs, then your brain will re- return to uh, a perfectly normal functioning uh, very quickly. Amazing. So you just got back from China and um, you're running Gerson Media and you interviewed me. We had an hour long conversation, which I just had, you know, so much fun chatting with you. Um, You have all of these incredible interviews um, through Gerson Media that anybody can go on and, you know, listen to any of the interviews you've done over the years. You've interviewed incredible people um, who are doing, you know, you talk about the food desert. um, The one gentleman, remind me of his name, down in... Is it Virginia, Washington, D.C.? Oh, oh, uh, uh, Dr. Baruch. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, you did, know, I, did, you, did you ever chat with him? No, but I want to definitely oh, interview him. You, you are my first um, interview that I've done like this um, using Facebook. So now that I've nailed down the technology, we know how we're going to do it. Um, I'm definitely like he's next on my list. I'm gonna, because his story is incredible and we don't have enough time to chat about it but i just love the story of like people coming in and getting their juice and having to pull out their handgun um and put it on the counter to be able to get their change you know in these food deserts just to be able to get their like beautiful organic pressed juice and food you know it's a great story so we'll put the link up to that because i want people to hear it and also just to get familiar with gerson media and listen to those interviews because you like i love the work that you're doing so now you're back from china so what are your plans over the next few years like what projects are you working on and um you know what's on the horizon for you? Well, my uh, my uh, my host over in China um, uh, is interested in starting a um, starting a joint venture over there with me to, uh, to to provide Gerson therapy and you know Gerson clinics, the Gerson therapy and the substances, the 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 the, the supplements, the uh, devices, the juicers, the organic food, and so forth. To a country of 1.3 billion people, okay. That's incredible. And yeah. and like nobody is doing it, nobody yeah. is doing it. But can you imagine if the government accepts that as a as as a a strong modality for healing chronic diseases? Oh my God! I mean, I talked to the right guy, the deputy director yeah. for for chronic and and uh, non uh, non communicable diseases. He's the guy yeah. for the whole country. And the reason they put him into the national position was he was in a regional position and he did such a good job of improving the health of the people in his region that they said, oh, I want you to do this for the whole country. And he's sitting at the table with me and agreeing with me about everything I say. So, you know, what a what an opportunity. What an opportunity. Oh, and I, yeah, I can totally see Max Ger- Max Gerson rolling over in his grave right now, just being like China, like <laughs> really, <laughs> million people. That's huge. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. And so, and so, uh, there's there's all kinds of uh, all kinds of initiatives going on over there um, uh, that uh, that that are um, you know. And one of the things that that uh, Molly wanted me over there for was that uh, I'm the first. Uh, first member of the Gerson family to come over there and talk about therapy. 
Wow. I'm not, the, I'm not the first member of the Gerson family to go to China because yeah. my niece, my niece, who is a world class musician, a world class violinist, so uh, music has, been, has been going over there for four years or five years uh, and performing with uh, Philharmonic orchestras mm -hmm. over there. So, uh, yeah. so it's quite a, uh, you know, but, but I'm the first guy to talk first from my family to talk about the Gerson therapy over there. And so mm -hmm. I was treated, I was like a, like a, a celebrity, like Brad Pitt or something. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Like, honestly, like I don't idolize any of these movie stars or anybody like that, but you know, my, you know, my one and only idol in this world next to like the Einstein and the Gandhi's and, you know, literally is Max Gerson. You know, if I had to build a shrine, his picture is going up on that shrine as well. Cause you know what he's done for science, you know, even before like he was able to actually prove it because the microscopes just didn't even exist to be able to, and the technology didn't exist to be able to see what he was able to directly see happening in the human body. Like, through observation um you know and he and i love that he used his body as a living laboratory he tested it on himself he taught he was an educator he was a doctor he was a researcher and a scientist like you know not a lot of people go to the extremes that he went to to really test his theories and you know to see them working and put them in action and and then on the side you know having to fight off the ama and all of these people who were coming after and, saying, uh, uh, and, and escape the nazis and the Nazis, yeah, like it's an incredible story. Like read Howard's book um, and read everything you can about Dr. Max Gerson because like, you know, he literally had to fight off the Nazis as well and like had to flee Nazi Germany to be able to make it to New York and then still had to battle the AMA, which, you know, some might say is equivalent of the Nazis. So, um, yeah, his story is epic. Um, I can't wait for the movie to come out. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to wrap up this interview because we can chat, I'm sure, forever, you and I. Like, I can hear you speak for eons. Um, and this, you know, project, there's any, you know, um, words of wisdom, you know, and actually the only words that flow your, from your mouth are wisdom. So that you want to leave our viewers with when it comes to, you know, if they are, let's say they are, um, you know, just, you know, not believing that the food is medicine, you know, what sort of information do you want to leave with them so that they can hopefully start taking action today and not waiting till they hit rock bottom? I will quote my grandfather directly. Stay close to nature and he, her eternal laws will protect you. Mm, that's beautiful. That's, you know, that is, you know, underlying not just not just food, but everything else in your in your uh, world as well, from water to air to uh, to to cosmetics to skin creams and pre preparations and everything else. Stay close to nature, and her eternal laws will protect you. Mm, that's beautiful, beautiful, and so accurate. Yeah, because once you experience that, you can never go back. Like you will never resist fight against nature. You'll only want to work with nature from there on in. So Howard, you are an incredible human being. It has been such an honor to have you um, be our first interviewee on this show. Um, I look forward to years and years of just you and I being able to converse and go back and forth. I look forward to more of your books coming out. I really hope to see that. You can write all about what it's like to influence China um, and get them to return back to those laws of nature. Um, I can't wait for those projects to unfold and we'll be up to updating our um, viewers on everything that you're doing as well. Um, everyone, please 
please go onto Gerson Media, listen to Howard's interviews, get his books. We'll put the links up for those. And, you know, if you need help learning how to eat to beat disease, how to use food as medicine, how to do the Gerson therapy, you know where to find us at The Green Mustache, at Richer Health. I'm sure you can get in touch with Howard Stars directly as well through his website. Um, and you can learn directly from um, Max Gerson's grandson, this incredible man who's done incredible things in this world. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, a continued long, vibrant life getting to know you, Howard. Thank you very much. What a what a lovely, lovely uh, honorific that uh, you just gave me. So thank you so much for that. And I'm honored to be your first interview on this show. Thank you, Howard. Thank you. Um, it went really well. So I'll be sending you the link as well. And you feel free to use it anywhere. And we're going to be posting this. It'll go onto YouTube. It'll go onto Facebook. So you'll be able to access it as well. Um, and yes, let's continue to chat, Howard, um, later in the future. And um, goodbye for now. Goodbye. Thank you so much for being here today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And please let us know if you have any questions or if you want to provide feedback on any of our shows, contact us by emailing us at info at richerhealth.ca. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive information about our upcoming events, to learn more about the healing retreats that we offer at our Nutrition and Detox Wellness Center, and to get a copy of our latest book titled Eat Real to Heal, of course. Lastly, if you want one of us to do the cooking for you, just come visit us at the Green Mustache Organic Cafe in your neighborhood.